0: Welcome to the Kupinger Coal Analyst Chat. I'm your host. My name is Matthias Reinwart. I'm Lead Advisor, Senior Analyst with Kupinger Coal. This again is a special episode of this Kupinger Coal Analyst Chat because we are still at EIC in Munich. It's, it's September 2021 and we are catching up on topics that we think are of importance for this event and for the future for our audience, at least we hope so. My guest again is Martin Kuppinger. He is uh, the principal analyst and the founder of Kuppinger Coal. Hi, Martin. Hi, Matthias, one of the founders. One of the founders, sorry for that. Um, Yeah, uh, we we want to continue a discussion that we started in an earlier episode where we talked about standards, about organization, about identities and their processes coming together, joining together, and the. On the other side, being deconstructed, being separated into different uh, aspects of this um, user journey, of this identity journey, and we want to continue with a concept of a triangle that um, really shows different dimensions of these processes and this deconstruction Mm -hmm. of identity processes. Can you a bit explain where to where we start here?
1: Yeah, so so I think this also kicked off in in some of the conversations we had at the conference and and earlier and. It started around passwordless authentication, which is a topic that is is very prominent these days. Um, And what passwordless is, et cetera, we'll discuss in a minute. But basically the point is that um, passwordless authentication, if you do it right, combines security and convenience. And this is very, very different from balancing security and convenience. Combining is, both can go up. Balancing is, if you go up with one, the other goes down, or the other way right. So the trade-off for more security is less convenience. The trade-off for more convenience is less security. This is balancing. Combining is both. And passwordless authentication, that is the cool thing, is about combining. So you can achieve a higher level of security with a higher level of convenience, but so yeah, we have security and we have convenience. And then there's the trust. So we then maybe as the provider might say, we know that is more secure. But does the customer or the user trust that this is more secure? Because the experience might be, oh, this is super simple. That can't be secure. So we need to look at this triangle also, also sort of make clear that this is really the better way
0: to do it. Yeah, at first sight, this is counterintuitive because we've been telling people that username password is insecure, but this is more than passwordless for the user experience. So they really have to take a step back and really, un- or we need to convey the message that this is really more secure. So where lies this trust?
1: Where does this come from? I think the trust comes from, in some way, it comes from experience. It comes from education, it comes from, uh, also explaining a little, and, and I think there's so much which is not well understood about passwordless authentication. So, but it's, sometimes it's relatively easy to understand and, and to explain. I think the most important thing is in passwordless authentication, there's no password that travels. So there's nothing like a password that goes from the client's device, or the customer's, the user's device, to the server. There's nothing like a database of 10 million passwords or password hashes, hopefully password hashes at least, <laughs> and not just text passwords stored on a server. That is not happening in passwordless authentication anymore. But it is that you have an element on your device, a trusted platform module, TPM chip, or a secure enclave which stores secrets and these secrets are created when you register the device so you have a device like a smartphone or a notebook and you register this device and map it link it to you, your identity and then on the device there is some cryptographic key stored which is then used for authentication and if you're able to unlock the device using typically some biometrics um, then you are allowed to or you can authenticate and then just this cryptographic information is used there's no password traveling anymore there's no password database um clearly if you would use just a password uh, to unlock your device Nothing, nothing, crypto, uh, nothing biometric, then it wouldn't be really passwordless, even while the password doesn't travel. Um, so I think we need to look at both, both aspects. The interesting thing is if you have that, then you have, so when we go to this entire authentication, we have always these three types of factors. What we know, who we are, or, and what we possess. And passwordless builds on possession, the device, with this secure um, chip on it, which is virtually impossible to crack. So no known incident so far would require extreme effort. And it's about the biometrics, so what a person is. Then we have two very strong factors combined, which are very easy to use, maybe aside of face recognition in in the age of wearing face masks, um, then face recognition isn't uh, the, the best biometric method. But this is really what happens here. Right, so
0: the security, as you said, is based on the content of this secure enclave of this TPM. That means as long as I do own this device, as long as I have it there, and I can unlock the formally trained TPM secure enclave, um, this will be actually my authenticator. That will make sure that I can unlock the m- key mechanisms to encrypt the communication towards the services, and this is actually the passwordless authentication. So. Yeah. Uh, that would explain for many um, who are usually always buying the newest yeah. Android phone, newest iPhone, they have to retrain. They will have to go through this process again and again and re-register their devices, right? It, 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 it is, um,
1: I think, two, two parts of re-registration. So if you, if you have a device and replace it by another device, you have to re-register. If you use the device for service A and service B, you also need to create the pair of cryptographic keys. So it is this device registration thing we we have sometimes it is then that you have one provider which then acts as the i d. p. to others, the identity provider to others then then it's lesser lesser um registration so this is what what frequently happens so that you don't have too many of these registration steps, but it's part of um what you have to do and that that's part of the journey. the good thing is and I think this is w- where really the trust can come from. We had this discussion just yesterday about yeah but what happens if someone steals the sort of the the biometric information about my face Mm -hmm. Um, the good thing is that information is on the tpm chip locally virtually impossible to crack and it's not this 70 million record of passwords database somewhere at a large company which can be hacked where data can leak which then appears in the darknet which can be purchased this is exactly not what is happening here you've never heard about 70 million um, records of data points for faces um, cracked leaked stolen this will not happen because it doesn't exist that way it doesn't work that way and this is where we we get rid of a huge risk we have experienced so so frequently over the past decades already, I I, I need to say. Um, This is what what really is, is a change. And this is why we can trust more. Yes, we need to trust in the TPM chip in the enclave. And we pay in some way a price of creating these links between the device and the services where we authenticate. This is something we need to do, which by the way, brings one interesting problem or challenge. That is, if we have many devices or if we, for we are on business travel, or whatever, Android phone or iPhone uh, falls to the floor, is, uh, crashes. We need a new phone. Then we have to recreate these connections. It's not just power it on and <laughs> everything is working again. Right. It's a little bit like like when you when you just bring in a new Windows computer and log in with your Microsoft ID, where a lot of spec, this this. Alone doesn't help. by the way, you also then need to gr- to to verify this device again if you bring up your next Windows computer because of Windows Hello and the way it authenticates also goes into passwordless it's it's the same. you also need to then create this link. You need to create you don't see that this is a pair of cryptographic keys, but you need to create it. It's the same thing which is happening and and so so we need to figure out ways how so I think we, we will not get rid of this link device to it register the device that is what we need to do uh, we, but we need to ensure that we can do that uh, and then still get all the other things we had on our device back as easy as we can for instance when we are traveling abroad we need to change our phone and we might still need a covid pass um, how can we do that this are, these are things we solve but they are independent of, of the other part right as you said it, when we need to bootstrap a new device
0: um at that point in time, we do need some other credentials as well. We n- will need at least something like a password or another third factor yeah. for, to, for being able to re-register our fingerprint, our face yeah. with, with this mechanism to make sure that we add this level of security
1: because your face, my face, my fingerprint, these are not secrets. No, and, and they are not stored centrally also, that's the other side of the thing. And so there's nothing where we can say, okay, we have it, we, we compare it with... Uh, everything we know uh, about Matthias and his face uh, on a central server we need to redo it that's part of part of it but that is I think also which can help us over time creating the trust that because these things don't travel you have to do that step the next time again because trust doesn't travel and this is this is really i think a an an interesting thing and Part of what the industry clearly needs to do is to educate about the trust part because uh, the convenience part you can achieve is very visible. And I think many of us experience it uh, already day by day by day because it's not about always entering usernames and passwords. And it's really a different thing. And the security is definitely higher. Just think about the 70 million passwords not being stolen because they don't exist anymore, these databases. And that's really where we need to move on.
0: Right, and in in the earlier episode, we discussed about this gain network where we have verified identities, strongly uh, verified identities, uh, but that does not mean that we cannot have this type of uh, convenience as well. By by linking, for example, my Android account, my iPhone, my Apple account to this verified identity, we can have the best of both worlds. We have the high level of assurance, and we can... I think
1: there was a misconception. You're not linking your Apple account. You're linking your iPhone. Exactly. And I think that's very important. You're not linking your Apple account. You're not linking some Google account on your Android phone. What you're linking is the device. Exactly, um,
0: but represented through uh, because it's connected yeah, to the but, device. But but be careful. But, but the authenticator <laughs> is, the <laughs> is the
1: device. That, yes, that's, uh, uh, that's and the and point. And, and, the and, and what really works very intensively in the background usually are the, f- is the f- are the FIDO Alliance standards. By the way, standards we we've, we we've, uh, uh, gave an award to a couple of years ago. Exactly. At already at uh, European Identity Conference as one of the most essential standards and it has proven true. Uh, Some other standards, by the way, also evolved here. OpenID Connect, if I remember right, sort of the first steps have been made at our conference a couple of years ago. So yes, there are important standards and this is um, what makes it work. And so yes, we are at that point where we can combine security and convenience and we need to build the trust in that. I think a lot of people trust it. But we easily can, if you do it right, I think we can easily explain why there can be a high trust on that. And I always start with saying, hey, there's not this 70 million password database which can be stolen.
0: Right, so the the next step, whom to educate are the service providers to make sure that they benefit from these new, highly trusted frameworks, and get rid of their 70 million username, password databases, and move towards a more, yeah, more secure more resilient and and uh, just more convenient platform for doing authentication
1: which o- goes then back to saying okay i also can use uh, maybe I, I i continue for a while my my username password access not to to be di- too dis- disruptive to my 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 users but i add other f- other options to that i allow to come in with linkedin google which have some form of, of two factor already which okay. are shifting that way so relying on others there are various ways to do it and we can proceed that way so yeah let's look forward
0: yeah absolutely so again this is a, a great summer we, we as analysts we can only recommend we can only educate we can hopefully identify the right standards as you said to 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 help in things evolving in the right direction at least what we consider to be the right direction Um, but it's great to see things coming together just like we do here at eic 2021 so thank you again martin for being my guest today and really looking forward to what will be happening the next two days here so um yeah thanks for being here
1: thank you